Uh, hello, uh, my name is Lorenzo Van Ness, and I will be having a conversation with Mike Altamar uh, for the New York City Trans Oral History Project in collaboration with the New York Public Library's Community Oral History Project. Um, this is an oral history project centered on the experiences of trans-identifying people. Um, this is March 23rd, uh, 2017, and this is being recorded at uh, Mike's home. All right, great. So, uh, Mike, uh, would you, well, will you tell me your name and age? <laughs> sure, my name is Mike Altamar, and I'm 25 years old. Okay, and what are your gender pronouns? My pronouns are he, him, his, and he, here, here's. And um, how would you describe your gender? Um, <laughs> it's been a process. Um, usually I call myself a trans man, but I also identify as bigender because I feel both male and neutral. And um, where, uh, when and where were you born? I was born right here, Queens, New York, um, 1991. Cool. How long have you lived in Queens? Mm, my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> um, how has it changed over the years? Um, it's been, it's been interesting. Um, you know, people, people come, people go, um, but you still see like a lot of the same you know, families from when I was growing up in the area, too. Um, obviously, like, the stores have changed. This year, we've started getting some, like, bigger, you know, name brand stores, which is kind of scary. Feeling the, you know, the pre-effects of gentrification. Yeah. yeah. What a, Is there um, something that you miss about, like, the way your neighborhood used to be or something like that? Um... Yeah. I mean, I feel like when I was younger, people talked to each other more, and I think people still sometimes do, but some folks just kind of, like, stay in their house and kind of isolate. Yeah. Why do you think people isolate? Um, I mean, I think people sometimes are, like, you know, worried about safety, maybe, or um, they just don't know who you know, who's on the block sometimes, mm -hmm. um, or, you know, different things that have happened in the neighborhood. Um, and sometimes I think the, the white people are afraid to just go outdoors <laughs> at night. Yeah. Yeah. That's real. Um, are there any, like, characters from the neighborhood that you remember? Oh, Lord. That are to be noted? Of course. <laughs> um... I feel like in certain houses, no matter who moves there, they're, like, always <laughs> that character, and I don't know why. Um, like, people on one side of my house have always been, like, really religious. Like, there's been a pastor, and there's a family that, like, you hear them playing, like, like choir music, like, every day, like, on an actual piano. And, like, no matter who lives there, they're always religious. And then... <clears throat> um, on the other side, you have people, like, who are kind of scary and, like, watch you all day, <laughs> and you don't know about them, but they know about you. Oh. Um, Sounds creepy. And then there's there's other, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> there's been, you know, a wide range of, of characters, too. Is there anyone who's lived on the block for a long time? Um, well, me. <laughs> anyone else? <laughs> um, yeah, so there's... Somebody across the street that, um, I think my father was, 
was his best man and the mother the mother of the guy you know still lives there has been there my whole childhood and um a couple other people yeah and how would you describe your childhood um a roller coaster <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, so okay. there's a lot of ups and downs you know it's kind of i kind of always felt like i didn't really fit in anywhere um so like on the one hand i did fit into my neighborhood because you know there's like the bodegas and then you have like the arab delis and you have like all these people and like very close like family connections like the one bodega owner um his sister's like child my mom is like the godmother so like there's there's like a lot of um very close connections there people like recognize me and stuff um but then I also felt like I didn't fit in a lot because of how I expressed myself as a kid in terms of my gender like there wasn't really any space for me to to express that and um you know especially with like all the churches and growing up in a religious environment like that was kind of a you know, it was attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's um one of the earliest things that you remember, and like earliest memories? Oh Lord. <laughs> um. Some of my earliest memories, I think, was me arguing about what clothes I wanted to wear. Um, and I know that might come off as like a little stereotypical or whatever, but like that's that's just how it was for me. So like me wanting to to wear like boys Halloween costumes and then um getting in trouble because I wanted to run around you know with my shirt off and um and then also like you know spending birthdays and holidays with my family in Colombia and um and my grandparents you know my grandfather um who was a big role model for me you know, when I was a kid. Yeah. Tell me more about your grandfather. Um, his name is Edgardo, which I chose as my middle name. <laughs> and, um, he and my grandma met, you know, when they were living in Colombia and Barranquilla. And he definitely spoiled me. You know, he died when I was like maybe nine or ten. <clears throat> yeah. So that was really rough, but I felt like he was a big role model for me because he was very like sweet and gentle he wasn't you know kind of the way my father was sometimes so he had like you know a hidden like treasure trove of like candy or like different things that he'd give out to me um you know whenever there was something tough going on so it was very helpful um, what are other memories that you have of your grandfather? Um, well, there were times that, like, my father would leave the house and he would tell, tell us, like, tell my grandparents that they couldn't, you know, they had to watch us, we couldn't leave the house or anything, but he and my grandma would still, like, sneak us out and drive us, like, to the Burger King, um, and just not tell anybody. Um, yeah, I remember him, like, always always laughing and uh 
he talked like kind of funny. He had like this kind of like stutter thing and um and he smoked cigarettes, so it was kind of weird like after he died sometimes he would still smell cigarettes in the house and like um my mom, my grandma would say that like it was his spirit like watching over us, so and he did he live here or was it your other? Grandma? Yeah, he lived here. Okay. Wow, cool. <clears throat> Um, what was the rest of your family like? Like your parents, your siblings, your other grandparents? Yeah, well, all my grandparents are from Colombia, and, you know, my mother's parents, like I said, like moved over here, but my father's parents are still over there. Um, my father's mother came over here for like a year, but then she went back to Colombia, and my father's father... I met once when I was three, I'm told. Um, my father didn't want me to meet him, but my grandma on my mom's side, like, snuck me out to meet him. Because <laughs> um, she felt like, no matter what, like, people should know their, you know, know their family and their grandchildren. Um, Do you know why he didn't want you to meet them? I think there's, like, there's daddy issues that run in the family. <laughs> so... It's kind of funny how history repeats itself, but yeah. 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 And what about your, your parents and your mom and your siblings? Um, well, my mom still lives in the area. I, you know, we moved out of my grandma's house when I was around 17. I was the last person. I was like the holdout, but I finally moved out, you know, with her, my, my younger brother and my father. Um... And, you know, it was kind of hard for my mom when I came out because I'd come out multiple times as, you know, different things while I was finding out, like, all these shiny new words that existed for what I could be. So by the time I came out as trans, I think it was kind of hard for, you know, for my family to believe that I was X, Y, or Z because um, I had already, you know, said that I was bi and then said that I was gay and then said that I was a cross-dresser, but... Um, you know, there was a lot of stuff about religion that would come up, but I think, you know, my, one of my aunt and uncles had a really hard time with me coming out as trans, and I think it was after that happened that my mom, you know, kind of started to change how she, how she felt about me transitioning because she, she felt the need to, like, defend me, mm -hmm. um, so, you know, she would ask questions, and and I think the more that my family asks me questions and tries to understand, like, the more they they become sensitive to it. Um, <clears throat> my father, I don't talk to as much. Um, he was born in Colombia, and then, you know, he lived here until I was, like, 17 or something, and then he moved back, um... To Colombia, and I didn't talk to him for, like, five years, you know, up until, like, relatively recently. Because um, there's just, like, a lot of, of issues that are going on, and there's, you know, a lot of stuff that happened, like, in my childhood and when I was older um, that was pretty messed up. So I just didn't really feel the need to, to interact with him. Mm -hmm. um, so it's been weird, like, now that I've started to occasionally, like, go down to visit or whatever, um, and my younger brother is, 
he's always been accepting of me being trans, like, to the point that, um, because, like, I came out 10 years ago, so I feel like I'm a million, <laughs> like, trans years sometimes, but, um, he was a little kid, and apparently, like, his pediatrician was telling my mom that it wasn't normal how easily he was accepting my gender, which was kind of frustrating to me, um, but, you know, he uses my pronouns, and he uses my my name so we have our differences but it's unrelated to to my gender yeah um what was it like growing up with your brother um can you curse what is it still (laughs) um (laughs) he i mean i think we're both kind of a pain in each other's asses so um we would fight all the time like, sometimes play fighting, but sometimes we'd get out of hand, like, you know, being little kids. He's, like, four years younger than me, so, um, but we still, like, found a lot of things to, to get along about, and we have, you know, similar interests, and, um, but then I also feel like it was, it's been kind of hard sometimes because he had to deal a lot more with like you know the abuse um when we were younger so I feel like that's taken more of a direct toll on him and in like really complicated ways I feel like that pushes us apart sometimes what uh what kind of things were you into or interested in as a kid um I was really into writing I thought I was going to be an author somehow even though I have like no attention span (laughs) (laughs) um I was always really into music, into like trying to predict who was gonna blow up and whatever. I wanted to be random stuff, like I wanted to be a DJ, I wanted to be a professional checkers player, I wanted to be a teacher, because you know my mom was like um, a daycare teach- teacher, and mostly I wanted to like be um, be a counselor and be a therapist and like help other people deal with things that I was going through at that age, um, and help families. Um, but yeah, I was, you know, starting to learn guitar at one point, trying to learn piano. I feel like doing things with my hands was really helpful to me. Are you really good at playing checkers? I was. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I need to find out again, but I used to like sit down with my grandma in her room, you know, every night and we would like play each other and I was I was very intense about that <laughs> and chess sometimes mm. yeah you said you wanted to um be like a counselor so that you could help other folks who might be going through similar things did you have someone who helped you or someone who helps you now or like yeah who were yeah. who were some of those people <clears throat> in your life who were mics <laughs> <laughs> oh that's a great question I feel like you know it's been a lot of people um, it hasn't just been been one person, because um, I've been a part of like a lot of different youth programs in the city, mm-hmm. so I met a lot of really great, you know, adult role models. Um, going to places like HMI, the Door, um, at the center when it was called the Yes Program, formerly now Center Youth, um, New Alternatives. Um, <clears throat> 
the hot program at Count Lord. <laughs> so um, I definitely, well, I've had great therapists. Um, you know, at first I didn't have any, any faith in, in counseling because first of all, like, you know, cultural values about therapy and like, um, I was raised to see that like social workers are there to like take kids away from their families. So don't talk. Um, but when I started to, you know, be old enough to like travel to the city on my own and like see what resources there were outside of my area. Cause I didn't really feel like there was anything, you know, here, um, <clears throat> you know, I also had like this Christian therapist that was trying to tell me that I was a sin or something that made no sense. So, um, I worked through a lot of that with this really great counselor from HMI. <laughs> um, he, you know, helped me deal with all types of things, um, with homelessness and with dropping out of college and with like substances and with depression and, you know, with my like PTSD and all, you know, things like that. Um, it was also really great to see sometimes when there's a trans person working at one of these agencies to see that like we could have a place in helping others, you know? Mm -hmm. um, in terms of like, uh, uh, I guess your relationship with other like trans and gender non-conforming people, mm -hmm. how would you describe it or what, what is your relationship with other TGNC folks? Um, I feel like I only know trans people. <laughs> I, feel, <laughs> I feel like I don't really know any cis people, especially like straight cis people. Um, it wasn't really intentional. It's just like how it's, I guess, happened. I don't know. Um, <clears throat> but I think it's, it's happened that way because it's nice to, to see yourself reflected in somebody else and not feel like you have to justify or constantly, you know, defend yourself. Um, so it's just like a family, like anything else, you know, you have your family of origin sometimes, and then you have your, your chosen family and then people that are, you know, like you have to be there for each other when there's all these gaps in services and gaps with, with your, you know, your given family and everything else. Um, I feel like you have to help each other, you know, survive, so... Um, I also feel like I have a lot of role models in my friends group. <laughs> um, and it's nice to like be able to, to work on things with each other. Yeah. Um, let's see, what does it mean for you to be yourself or to be like authentic or whatever? Um, I think it means... To not give a shit about what other people think, but also keeping in mind, like, to not feel guilty if there's certain things that you can't express at certain times, like, for safety and, you know, employment or being on the street or whatever. Um, but I think that ideally, like, all of that aside, being yourself means that you, you feel happy and that you feel like how you see yourself on the inside is reflected on the outside and reflect in other people's perception of you. And, uh, how do you think other people perceive you? Um, that's been a trip. <laughs> <laughs> I think it changes all the time. It's really funny. Like, 
like before I went on tea, um, some people, you know, would see me as like a dyke and would like make all these comments and think that, you know, because they're speaking Spanish, I don't understand, but like, um, I understand everything. <laughs> so like, um, like one time somebody was talking about like the, the marimacho over there and I'm like, I know exactly, you know, um, so I would get like a lot of harassment sometimes, um, people perceiving me as like a masculine female, but then after going on tea, like I would have people calling me a faggot on the street. So it's like, I couldn't, you know, win either way. Um, so that's been kind of frustrating. Like, like there's still a lot of gender policing either way. And I've also in the past, like earlier on in tea had people standing right next to each other and using different pronouns for me. So I think like it really, it depends on the person. Um, you know, a lot of times I get called he, but then sometimes I get called she even by other like queer gender nonconforming people. Um, so I feel like it, it changes all the time. I do know like it's like I started hormones low dose because I needed to, to know how to adjust, you know, to like receiving more male privilege or whatever. And it was kind of, kind of sad for me to see like myself being perceived as a threat more and more like people looking over the shoulder if I'm walking behind you, um, and learning how to, how to cope with that more. And then also learning like if I'm painting my nails, like there's going to be a problem with that, you know? So there's like so much to, to be on top of. Can you talk more about that, like, in terms of, like, things that you've perceived about before you were on T and bef and after, and, like, when you're perceived masculinely or when you're perceived femininely, like, how people react to you differently and stuff like that? I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, even before being on T, like, I would, like I said, get a lot of, you know, like, anti-lesbian harassment. Mm -hmm. um, and that's on some days, and then on other days it would be perceived as a guy so it was really like a case-by-case -case basis um I like one time I was in a store and um somebody was like asking me for my bag like to check my bag at the door first and then they were like sir sir and like I was afraid to respond because I was with my mom and she was like mad <laughs> still you know about me um coming out and then like I had medium length hair, so I don't know. He like then started calling me ma'am and then like him and the other person were laughing about like I guess you know the difference not knowing what I was. Um <clears throat> I had one these two guys on the train um before I was on T but I still like had short hair and everything, like kind of sexually harassing me, like rubbing their genitals and everything, like thinking that they were being cute and um you know, I'd get yelled at if I was walking with a partner, like, who's the man, who's the woman, like, all those types of things. Um, <clears throat> and then being on T, like, has, I guess, given me, made it a little bit easier for me to blend in sometimes when I want to. So, like, if I feel that I won't be respected somewhere if I express myself more feminine now. Like, I still have the option to not paint my nails. I still have the option to 
you know, to cut my hair short, even though I've been growing it out. And um, <clears throat> it kind of feels like it's always a balancing act. And which is kind of sad because I've only felt more comfortable expressing my femininity, like since being on hormones longer. Um, but now, like, obviously there's still like repercussions for, you know, having a mustache and then wearing bright colors or whatever. And, um, I've had people perceive me as a trans woman or like as a gay cis man, and then, you know, get comments based off of that. So it's just really frustrating. Like I would like to, to express myself however I feel that day. And, but, um, there's also nothing wrong with, with doing what you have to do in certain situations, you know? Um, when did you, like, first start questioning, like, gender, and then, and also just, like, when did you start thinking about social social justice and, like, you know, oppression and all these things, like, you mentioned you came out a bunch of times. So. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, I guess I first, well, I kind of always felt weird in terms of, like, how I wanted to express my gender, and, like, I didn't understand why... I was getting so much pushback for it. Like, even as a little kid, um, like I said, with Halloween costumes, if I wanted to be Zoro or wanted to be Harry Potter, like, no, you have to be, like, Hermione or Harriet Potter, like, some shit that made no sense. And, <laughs> Harriet Potter. Yeah. Or, like, um, <clears throat> when I was a little kid, I would fight a lot about Easter and I wanted to wear pants and not a dress. And, like, it took me years upon years of arguing to be allowed to wear pants. So... Like, definitely, maybe when I was around eight, I know I started um, telling my mom that I wanted to be a boy, and she didn't understand why. Um, and I didn't understand why, but, you know, those types of comments would just fly out of my mouth sometimes, because mm -hmm. just, it just felt right. Um, and I think when I was in eighth grade, I started doing research, and... There was so much less information back in, like, 2004 or whatever, you know? So I saw, like, Crossdresser, and, you know, I would try on my little brother's clothes because I was really, like, thin, and I could fit into his four-year-old clothes. <laughs> um, and I just noticed, like, how much calmer I felt. Mm. Um, and I don't know, I was really worried, like, that Jesus was going to hate me. <laughs> um because like I was I was seriously religious as a kid but um what a religion Catholic mm. yeah I wanted to like when I was in second grade I wanted to be a nun like I would play I wouldn't play house I'd play church like it was a lot you know Whoa. so for me to feel like like oh now I'm gonna get hit with lightning was like you know was really hard um and then, like, once I was in high school, I think I started to, to find these other words, like, transgender and transsexual, and I was like, oh, maybe I'm not just a cross-dresser, like, maybe, like, I'm trans, maybe I'm a, I'm a boy. Um, and then in high school, too, like, I went to, to a Catholic school, and, you know, seeing all this stuff, like, learning about religion, but they would leave out the Crusades, like, that brought up 
a lot of issues for me and my friends because that made me realize that like history can be selective about you know about its viewpoint um and that also you know in addition to to not understanding like why do I like girls like why do I like wearing pants and whatever like made me realize that there is so much out there you know outside of my the immediate 10 blocks that I spent my whole life in you know um how would you say you understand gender right now? Um, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel, I feel like gender is is what you feel, and is how you see yourself. Like, to me, it's frustrating when people say that gender and gender identity is separate because it makes it sound like, like when it comes to laws or whatever, like gender identity. Separating that from, like, just gender makes it sound like, oh, it's just an identity. It's just, like, in your head. Um, but I feel like gender is just just how you see yourself. And, like, maybe it's not how other people see you, but it's what, like, you know yourself to be. And I also know that gender is different in every culture, in every, in every place. Like, I would teach... Um, you know, my last job I was doing health education and before starting like the actual sex ed and harm reduction with drugs and whatever, I would talk about like, these are the words I'm going to use for bodies. And like, um, you know, gender isn't necessarily just binary. Like there's cultures and, and countries and societies with three, four five genders. Like there's so much more. So I feel like we can't just say, you know, it's man or woman. Like that's, that's a really Western perspective to me. Um, and I know, like, some people feel like gender does not exist, but I feel like the repercussions for it are definitely very real. But I also feel like we need to be careful when we say things like gender doesn't exist or gender is over or, like, you know, eliminate all gender because there's there's people that I've seen who, who gender is spiritual for them, you know? Um in other cultures and in places where it's not coming from a Western perspective. So to me, sometimes when people say like eliminating gender, I kind of see that as like almost colonial, like eliminate, you know, this society's perception of like their place for all these different genders, you know? So I feel like gender should be expanded. There should be more options for everybody. Um, and it's okay, like, if you don't feel that gender fits for you, but it's very, it's very individual. Yeah. Can you tell me more about, um, you mentioned your old job. What, what did you do? Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> Who am I? Um, my old job, I was a community health educator and parent engagement specialist. Oh. Yeah. Um, so what that means is mostly I was teaching sex ed. Um, grades 6 through 12 talking about, you know, anatomy, um, harm reduction with drugs, you know, stress, like quote-unquote life skills, um, here's how to do your resume, um, here's how to use protection, but also I was very focused on specific resources because I feel like the curriculums we had to use were just like, you know, shake your finger at these kids and, and that's it, but 
um, I did a lot, I feel, as far as, like, resources and connecting kids to resources. Like, I also did a lot of clinic escorts, so I would make, you know, young people's appointments and go with them if they were scared. Um, you know, made sure they they had a right. I would stay with them until the end, like, schedule their follow-ups. Um, I made a lot of, like, linkages and and MOUs, so I, was, I did a lot of, like, partnerships with other clinics and agencies to make sure that, that you know, these young people had a, a path to whatever services they needed. And, like, even if my program ended, which, you know, it did, we lost funding, they would still, you know, recognize the space if they went to the clinic. Um, and I did a lot of, like, random stuff outside my job description, too. Like, I was the main person who ordered, you know condoms and, and, um, dental dams and, um, made safer sex kits. Um, and I would also order random stuff like for the parent engagement side of it, like these coloring books for kids, like activity books about like HIV and AIDS, you know, for third graders or whatever, and, and distribute those do um, parent child communication workshops, bilingually English and Spanish, um, for parents at high schools or, you know, parents of the early Head Start programs, um, sometimes doing mediation between, you know, parent and child when there's a conflict about their relationship or um, if a kid was worried about coming out. And I work very closely with the LGBT program there because, um, you know, that's where I started as a peer educator in the same agency. And we worked in the same room. So I also uh, helped develop a program for trans youth of color, trans and gender nonconforming youth of color. Um, you know, I developed the, the draft budget and program proposal, you know, schedule, job descriptions, etc. And then, um, you know, they received the grant, which is exciting. But um, since I don't have a college degree, I wouldn't be able to eventually go on to be a full-time manager so you know I decided to not to not stay to to run the program but um I'm still there lurking in the shadows <laughs> you know um helping to to figure things out and doing outreach forward and I definitely feel like that program is is my child um and it's been really exciting and validating for me to see like yeah I'm the only person at my job who didn't have a degree, you know, I felt like, like I was really uneducated sometimes, or like I didn't know what I was doing or have a place there, but seeing like little projects that I would do come to life, especially something like a whole new program, like first of its kind to me, like, um, it makes me feel like life experience is more valuable than, than, you know, a degree sometimes, like, no, no one taught me anything about grants, but I have been in 9,000 programs and like, I know what it's like to, to need services. So, um, I think I, I definitely, you know, grew a lot from that program, even though I also felt like I was, you know, kind of alone at times or didn't want to be like the, the annoying trans person who's like, you know, causing problems or whatever, but Every now and then, you know, somebody has to be that person. So, yeah. Cool.
what does community mean to you? Um, I think what community is supposed to be is, is a group of people that, that have something in common with each other and, and hopefully can rely on each other, um, when they need help and, and it's people that are supposed to have a, an easier time understanding what you're going through. So it's not just like one thing, like you could have the community that you live in, like my, my neighborhood, which I don't tell anybody where I live because gentrification is near. <laughs> but then you also have like the various religious communities, like here in this neighborhood, you know, there's like churches, like storefront churches, like bigger churches. There's, um, there's like, a synagogue somewhere there's you know mosque there's like lots of different you know spaces for people of different religious communities and then you have you know the schools and like those are a little community in themselves and and um and there's like obviously quote unquote the lgbtqia plus community but then we see like so many differences within it and then things that don't even relate to, like, gender, sexuality, like, race, like, who's the face of the quote-unquote LGBT community? It's, like, always, uh, straight. I, <laughs> I do this all the time. Not straight, okay? <laughs> White cis man. <laughs> um, that would be awful. Who? Yeah. I mean, it's still awful. I mean, but... <laughs> sometimes, yeah, like, when I went to the, um, the rally for Orlando, I didn't know, like, it was like the government that like the democrats or something that were putting that on and fucking nick jonas was there like i think i'm pretty sure because like i was waiting back and i couldn't hear anything but like i was like why the fuck is nick jonas at this rally like when these were all like lgbtq plus like latinx folks black folks like nothing like, people who are undocumented, people who don't, you know, necessarily have that type of money, who don't have, like, family support, and here's a, you know, this cute celebrity bro, like, no, what are you doing? Um, and the other thing was, like, they're, from what I heard, I might have heard wrong, because, like I said, I was in the back, but I heard somebody saying that, like, that it was, like, a trans night or something at the club, and it wasn't, you know, it was, it was Latin night at the club, and it was, like, all people of color. So to me, I feel like there's a lot of erasure even within the trans community and even within the, you know, LGBTQ plus community. So I feel like sometimes you have to redefine it and you have to set up your own community. You have to do that, you know, with your friends or with other, other people that you work with and, and make your own sub communities to, to help you survive, you know, the stuff that you're getting both from mainstream society and from, mainstream you know lgbtq movement yeah what are some uh i don't know uh, experiences that you've had with like communities um either good ones bad ones both yeah hmm. like, um yeah well i used to volunteer at this radical bookstore when i was younger and that was really helpful because when um when I became homeless, I didn't know where I was going to stay. And 
even though I wasn't like actively volunteering, I still was on like the email listserv and I reached out asking for housing. And, you know, there's a lot of people that were willing to, to take me in, um, for free. And then, you know, there's also when I was going to, to Hunter, um, before I dropped out, um, in the queer student union, you know, there's a lot of people that I was, I was close with. And one of my friends, Marty, who, who raised money for me also when I didn't have, have money to eat, was really, you know, amazing. And, um, like when I was in the mental hospital under observation, um, having, you know, parents to come visit me, <laughs> trans parents to come visit me, um, <clears throat> and check in on me was really important to, um, negative experiences, of course, is like, uh, one time I was at the center and there was somebody who I guess they felt like, cause we were all under the LGBTQ, you know, umbrella, like even if they weren't trans, like they could still ask all these really invasive questions. So they'd be like, oh, your name is Mike. So you used to be Michelle, right? And I'm like, no, but they were like, you know, there's a lot of people that were hell bent on figuring out like what my old legal name was. And, and for that exact reason, like, you know, I didn't change my name to like a more masculine sounding version of, <laughs> of my birth name because I knew that was going to happen, you know, um, <clears throat> I would have a lot of people be like, oh, you're cute, but, um, you know, I don't, I'm not attracted to trans people or, um, one time I was on the pier cause I practically used to live there, um, and seen all types of shit there. And then this one guy like started talking to me, telling me these kind of like really alarming stories, but like, I just, I just listened to him cause that's, I guess what I would do. And he told me that he was bi, and then he was asking me questions, because, um, of course, you know, I look a lot younger than I am, and predators, I guess, are, are into that, and he was saying that, that I was really cute, and um, I mentioned being trans, because, like, sometimes, like, it's really sad, but, like, that would usually make people go away. Um, and then he said that I was cute, but I was confusing him and he wanted to just throw me into the river, but that I should wear the same shirt at pride so he could recognize me. And I was like, I don't even know what the hell is happening. Like, like I had some things like that happen that were kind of scary. Like, how are you going to tell me I'm cute and you're going to throw me into the river, like off the pier? I'm, I just had like so many weird moments like that on the pier i don't know tell me some more tell me some more stories about oh, the pier Lord. what are some other things that happen good things weird things sad things <laughs> um i mean i don't know how much i can legally say <laughs> yeah. but you know yeah, I've, I've, <laughs> you know i've been there you know with friends who needed to do things they needed to do and and i would have to be a lookout um, just kidding. That's the story I read. <laughs> what lookout? Um, and I don't know. I feel like it's where I went to calm down being on the pier. Like, 
you can see like just the water and and feel like you just look around you and everything looks so the world looks so much bigger from that that point of view for some reason um and it's just so calming like when you see other people who are trans and trans people of color and gender not conforming people and everybody's just kind of living you know like that being our space like that was really powerful um, I've been on the pier in all types of situations. I was caught there during a blizzard, like under the, the canopy thing. Um, I ended up one night, I was with somebody and we had to go, there was a situation we had to go in, in, in an ambulance, um, from the pier. And then, then I have other moments like the, the, um, youth pride fest, that I, you know, help volunteer with and seeing all the kids there, like, having fun in the same space where I've seen all types of other things happen, you know, it's like, I don't know, I just miss, miss being there because really anything could happen any day. Um, a few months ago, I had somebody stop me on the street asking for, for resources for, um, a trans person that he knew who was coming out and was having issues at home and he recognized me from my peer days which was like years upon years ago so I feel like I don't know that's also kind of like a testament to to community even though people don't always talk to each other like apparently they like this person told me watch you transition throughout the years and like you have no idea um but I think it's really affirming to me, like, that that I've been, like, you know, in the background long enough that people, people I, like, don't recognize anymore myself, like, recognize me, even though I've been on hormones for six years, because cause that happens a lot, and, you know, it's kind of sad, so when somebody does recognize and, like, you feel valuable, like, I can help you, like, I, I've been around, you know, all these places enough to tell you this is what you have to do, and um, I feel like that's that's community too. It's not just something that you get paid for, you know. Like clinic escorts and stuff. That was my job, and um, helping to get resources for trans people and stuff. Like wasn't part of my job, but I turned it in into part of my my job, and like that's also something that that I did before you know, I was employed to do workshops or whatever and something I'll continue to do after. And I feel like not everybody has the capacity to like be the educator, to be the, the whatever, but, um, but I think it's also about what you do when no one's looking, you know, I feel like that says a lot about how your community actually is and how your peers actually are. Um, can you tell me more about some of the other experiences you mentioned? You mentioned stuff about, like, being homeless, like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I had been having issues with my brother, and, like, things were getting, like, pretty intense at home. So um, there was also, like, other legal issues going on, so I couldn't, you know, I wasn't necessarily allowed to wear, like, quote-unquote, like, men's clothing, <clears throat> um, 
at home because like my parents were worried that it would affect this you know this case that my father had um and I just felt like I didn't really I couldn't express myself at home and um I also couldn't deal with like some of the the issues I was experiencing with my brother so I was looking to move out anyway but then um some of the issues just kind of kind of blew up and you know my mom gave me this ultimatum like I was the older one my brother couldn't be the one you know to leave because he was still a minor so I had to find a new place which I was already you know looking into like housing and shelters and stuff like that so um so I left like I said I found you know found some help on on the listserv for the place that I was volunteering at the bookstore and um you know, this one person is really great, took me in for, for two weeks because her lease, you know, still had two more weeks, but she had already gotten a new place. So I got really, really lucky with that. But um, I was kind of couch surfing a lot. And then, you know, I didn't have a job. I was still in, still going through a lot of mental health things and I wasn't in a place to hold down a job either. Um, you know, and I also hadn't changed like some of my documents and also had like lots of dental issues that made my face look busted. So it's not like I could, you know, easily just go out and, 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 you know, just work somewhere. Cause I did apply to places, but, um, yeah. So <clears throat> being homeless was hard. Like I was trying to get benefits, but you know, that's also a pain in the ass, you know, traveling into West Bumblefuck to get, you know, this appointment. Then they tell you like, you're not old enough to get, you know, food stamps or whatever. Um, but your mom can open a case, but I'm not living at home. So it's like, what, you know, shit like that, that makes no sense. Um, so I didn't have any income. And then this ex took me in, um, which was also kind of like an uncomfortable, you know, situation, even though we were dating at the time. And um, mostly I was making pins, so I was making buttons to get income. So I'd go to like the Philly trans health conference and sell pins of like the trans flag or, you know, pins that were in Spanish or pronouns that my friend designed, um, to get some money. But mostly I relied on, on a lot of these youth programs, you know, that let me shower there, (laughs) that did my laundry, that, um, that gave me, you know, groceries and soap. So, um, and obviously mental health care, cause going through something like that, like when you already have all these pre-existing issues, it's like a lot. So, um, I really attributed like my survival, um, and me like having the jobs that I've had so far to, to these youth programs and to the community I've made with my friends. Um, but it's also hard cause like, I feel like, I'll try to use I statements. <laughs> when I was homeless, um, I kind of felt like I was at people's mercy or like I had to do a lot to prove that like, okay, I'm worthy to stay here on your couch. Like, um, I'm going to like try to earn my keep. So what that ended up feeling like for me was that, especially like with with my ex, like I was like the Latino housemaid 
Um, and that, you know, I had to like keep my head down and, and had to accept certain things being done in order to like not ruffle any feathers and, you know, be kicked out onto the street. So that was definitely stressful. Yeah. <clears throat> um, what does, I mean, I guess in terms of like talking about relationships, like what is, what is companionship? What is a relationship? What does that mean to you? Um, so I'm going back to like all the stuff that, that I would teach in my classes. Sure. Um, but a relationship could be anything. So a relationship could be one that you have with yourself. It could be, you know, parent-child or, or employer and employee or doctor-patient. Um, <clears throat> so like because of the experiences that I had and the, the things that, you know, that I put up with in my last relationship, I haven't really been on top of the whole dating thing. I also, it's just like stressful, like trying to date and then telling people that I'm trans and they don't understand. Like, um, all people tell me like, oh, so when do you think you'll be able to come out? And I'm like, no, like I'm, I'm already out. <laughs> like, um, or some people think that like I'm a trans woman or, um, or that I'm one person thought I was a drag king and I was like, I don't even understand you don't understand me, you know? Um, so mostly I've only dated other trans or gender queer people because I feel like in, in that aspect, it's easier to not have to explain my body, explain, you know, all these appointments or, or explain the importance of like pronouns or like, don't use those words for me or whatever. Like not to say that there won't be other unrelated issues, but, um, but yeah, I feel like I want to start dating again. I've been single long enough, but it's kind of hard being out of practice and, and, you know, figuring out, like, if I do want to date people who aren't trans, like, how, how do I navigate that? Because I haven't dated a cis person since my first girlfriend in high school when I was, like, 14. <laughs> so uh, there's a lot to figure out with that. Um, I think... My biggest fear is also making sure that that I don't get hurt in the same ways that I've been hurt in the past or be trapped in some of the same dynamics. And I know that, like, with my last relationship, like, I'm not homeless anymore. Like, there are certain things that are, are not going to happen again. But I think, like, it's, a, it's taken me, the, you know, these past couple of years of being single to realize the effects of certain things and um but I also have to rec recognize that, like I'm I'm older I'm a little bit more you know secure in my place in the world and that I'm able to to identify these issues now more so than I I was back then you know before before it happened so um I guess sometimes you have to take a chance but it's definitely you know scary also not knowing, like, if I have surgery, what's this person going to think about that? Or, um, yeah. Um, if you wanted to be remembered for one thing, what would that be? Oh, man. <clears throat> it's a great question. 
I guess I want to be remembered as somebody who who tried to help others. So for all the things I've done, you know, even in the background, um, to help other people in, in tough situations. Yeah, I don't... I'm not trying to, like, be a movie star or, or anything like that, you know. Um, but I think it's been a process for me to to learn and to accept and be okay with other people when they tell me that, like, that I have had a positive impact on their life. So I feel like in whatever form that is, whether it's, like, the person on the street who randomly recognizes me and asks for resources or whether it's... Um, you know, a young person at my old job and, and the program that I created or or um, friends that I've, you know, taken to the clinic and, and all those things, like, for me, I feel like that's that's what I needed in the past and that's what has helped me to get to where I am today. And I feel like, like that's kind of my, my purpose in life is, is to... Do the same for others. Yeah. So we're creeping up on an hour. Okay. Um, so wow. uh, is there anything else that you would like to add? Or is there anything that we're missing that, you know, people need to know to really know Mike? <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, I feel like. I'm kind of a mess, but it, <laughs> but it kind of like works out sometimes, you know, like I, I feel like sometimes those things like just kind of go together, like just being a wreck <laughs> in some ways, you know, like, um, in terms of like not having stable employment cause I don't have a college degree or whatever. And, and also like, you know, mental health stuff, um, I think that also complements, you know, the things that the ideas I'm able to come up with and the, the initiatives I'm able to start. And um, sometimes, you know, I feel like I'm more of a background person, but I think it's also exciting when somebody, you know, asked me to be part of something like the sexual and reproductive justice video that the health department did that I was in. Um, <clears throat> like being given a chance to also speak directly, you know, for myself sometimes is, is really, um, therapeutic, I guess. And being the name change projects, you know, video also is like kind of exciting. Um, and it feels like I'm seeing like all the, the hiding I had to do when I was a kid and, you know, through high school and everything, like I don't. I don't need to do that hiding anymore. I can go, you know, into this video or I can go be part of, um, you know, some other project and, and I, I don't have to worry that, you know, this nun is going to go call my parents or, um, that I'm going to be kicked out at any, anymore, you know, especially at this point in, in my transition, like I'm glad to be able to have an opportunity every now and then to, 
to remind the world that, you know, that I'm me and like, despite all the BS and all the, the judgment and, you know, not having any trans services or, or trans friendly doctors or hormones in my neighborhood or whatever, like after all, all of that, like I'm finally, I finally feel like, you know, I've kind of, kind of made it a little bit. You've arrived. I've arrived. Yeah. <laughs> I don't feel like. You know, even after having been on tea for a few years, I felt like I just came out yesterday. I just started tea yesterday, but now having been out for a decade and having been to all these marches and having, you know, been on advisory boards and and making a program and stuff, I feel like I feel like nobody can can take my, my gender, my identity away from me anymore. You know, in that I don't have to choose anymore. I'm at a point where I don't have to choose between, like, um, religion and being trans or being Latino or, you know, being Colombian and being trans. Um, all these things can, like, coexist finally. And, and you know, I have tons of trans-related tattoos, as you can see. <laughs> and um, I feel like now... Other people have to deal with it, not me, you know? And if, if somebody else doesn't accept it, it's not my problem because I do I do have a community and I don't always feel like I'm the only one speaking up in certain situations anymore, you know? Great. Yeah. So I guess, uh, I guess I'd like to thank all of our listeners, but um, is there a, well, I want you to have the last word, so what would you like to say to people who might have already listened to your interview? Um... I think that people need to know that they're valid, you know, how, however they transition just cause you don't fit, you know, if some of the, the bigger, you know, mainstream representations that we see, um, doesn't mean that you're not valid. Like it's okay to to be, to have like whatever intersection of identities that you have, um, and that people with your specific combination, you know, do exist, um, which is something that took me a long time to learn. And whatever being trans or GNC or non-binary or genderqueer, whatever agender looks like for you, like, that's fine. Like, if other people can't see it, that's their problem and you know that's an issue and that's something that we're we're working at actively um in society but that that doesn't mean that you're not who you say you are there's tons of people out there who are trans whether or not they can take hormones whether or not they could get surgery or if they even want to um or no matter like what pronouns you use like you're still you and and the issue lays with society and that's something that's definitely being addressed. Even if you don't feel like you can be the activist who's always out there or whatever, not everybody has to be that person. There's, you know, we all have different levels of things that, that we have the capacity to do. Um, but to just, just not feel hopeless, like whether it's through the internet or through, you know, friends or through a hotline or whatever, like there's, there's somebody else out there who can kind of, relate so I feel like I don't want to sound like cliche about it but um 
but all options are valid and no one can take that away from you.